the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. As I went down in the river to pray, studying about that good old way, and who shall wear the starry crown? Good Lord, show me the way. Oh, sisters, let's go down, let's go down, come on down. Oh, sisters, let's go down, down in the river to pray. As I went down in the river to pray, studying about that good old way, and who shall wear the robe and crown, good Lord, show me the Oh, brothers, let's go down, let's go down, come on down. Come on, brothers, let's go down, down in the river to pray. As I went down in the river to pray, studying about that good old way, and who shall wear the starry crown, good Lord, show me the way. Let's go down, let's go down, come on down. Oh, fathers, let's go down, down in the river to pray. As I went down in the river to pray, studying about that good old way, and who shall wear the robe and crown, good Lord, show me the way. progress. On this Thanksgiving Eve, I want to share with you again an incredible story of God's grace and love for Argentina. Now, if if God would do this for Argentina, he will do it for America. 
want to share this story to encourage your hearts. And I pray you have a wonderful Thanksgiving with your family, with friends, but most of all, a wonderful Thanksgiving as you go before Jesus and tell him thank you. The Lord Jesus Christ is so awesome. He is our wonderful Lord and Savior, the King of Kings. He doesn't have to prove anything. He proved it all on the cross. Now it's up to us to cry out to him, to pray. The story I'm going to read is an impossible story. It is a sovereign moving of God. We need that now in Washington, D.C. I hope you know, I'm sure you know, we are in great trouble in our nation's capital. And not just our nation's capital, we're in trouble in America because the churches have lost their saltiness. There's not a standard of righteousness that's being lifted up. It's a false gospel that's being proclaimed that you can continue to walk in wickedness and you're still saved. You're part of the family. You can never be removed from the family. Any preacher who would say that, according to Jude, is a liar. But that false gospel has permeated the modern American church. I listened to a man yesterday as he was so excited and so filled with energy and so out there and so extroverted in his presentation. All we need to do is every person go out and talk to somebody about Jesus and revival will come to America. He's speaking out of his flesh. He doesn't know Jesus. Oh, he talks as though Jesus is his very best buddy. That's not how Jesus operates. He operates by the Spirit and not the flesh. I want to share the story today that will tell you what will happen when Jesus comes in his Spirit to a city, to a nation. Impossible Chorus, the Pro-Mass Evangelism Committee. Tommy Hicks had just presented his idea of requesting a personal interview with Argentine dictator President Peron. Tommy, an unknown, unheralded healing evangelist from the United States, desired to request the use of a large sports stadium providing also free radio and press coverage for the evangelistic healing campaign. Such a thing had never been done before in Argentina. No one had even considered requesting the privilege 
of using such a large stadium. It just seemed preposterous. Even if one could obtain permission, there weren't that many evangelicals interested enough in the healing ministry to even begin to fill it. Tommy wanted a meeting place that would seat 25,000. The committee considered that 2,500 would be overly sufficient. Tommy said he would not start unless a large stadium was obtained. Services of a well-known missionary healing evangelist had been solicited, but it had been impossible for him to come. It looked as though Tommy was the man. With some fear and misgivings, deliberations continued. The conclusions of the committee were justifiable, considering all things from man's point of view. Up until that time, the evangelical, evangelical works were limited. Most of the churches were comparatively small. Conversions were one here and one there. Healings were numbered. Who could imagine that God would move out of a, a large scale? when he'd never done it before. As it resulted, even Tommy Hicks' faith was too small. I don't believe anyone, including Tommy himself, anticipated the magnitude of what God was about to do. As to obtaining the use of press and radio, that seemed ridiculous to even consider it. Under the dictatorship, all religious activities were closely censored. All meetings, schedules, they all had to be reported. Special permission had to be obtained for any large gathering. Careful records were kept in government files. Tommy's request was understandably unfeasible. It had just never been done before and the prevailing conditions of the moment did not indicate the possibility of any miracle taking place. Nevertheless, Tommy insisted on visiting the president. A provincial governor told this story in our hearing. We share it with you. When told of the impossibility and uselessness of an interview with the president, Tommy went to his hotel room to pray. He knew that God had sent him to Argentina. He knew that his God was bigger than any dictator or government. So he decided to go and see the dictator by himself. High foreign government officials had been refused with Peron. How could an unknown, unheralded, unimportant United States preacher ever get an audience with him. But Tommy Hicks believed his God. And walking up to the pink house where the government offices were held, he came to the front door. There was an armed guard who served as a porter. He stopped him and very impatiently said, Who are you? 
And what do you want? Now, Pastor Hicks carefully explained to him what he wanted to hold a salvation healing campaign. The more he explained, the more interested the guard became. Finally, he asked, Do you mean to tell me that God can heal? Yes, he can, and he will, replied Tommy. Well, said the guard, Can he heal me? Give me your hand, responded the evangelist. And right there he prayed the prayer of faith. The power of God surged into the guard's body. In a moment his pain and his sickness were gone. Feeling the power of God, the man was utterly astonished. He felt himself all over, and then in utter amazement he said, Why, it's all gone. All the pain is gone. Of course it's gone, Tommy replied. God has healed you. You come back here tomorrow, and I will get you in to see the president, replied the guard. The next day, when Tommy Hicks returned, the same guard greeted him, but this time most cordially. He then escorted him to the great door of the private office of the president of Argentina. The president greeted Tommy and his interpreter cordially. He offered them a seat and asked their reason for coming. Carefully, Pastor Hicks explained in detail the desire that God had placed upon his heart to hold a citywide salvation healing campaign in a large stadium with full press and radio coverage. The president listened thoughtfully in amazement, he heard for the first time of the power of God to heal and save, for Tommy was faithful to preach the gospel to him that day. At that time, the president was suffering from a most persistent and disfiguring skin disease, an eczema, which up to that time no physician had been able to cure. It had grown steadily worse, becoming so noticeable that Mr. Perron no longer allowed photographs to be taken. His ailment had become common knowledge. Listening to the story of Jesus, the Son of God who heals through faith and prayer alone, the president asked, Can God heal me? Pastor Hicks answered, Give me your hand. And right there with hands clasped over the big desk, this young Pastor Hicks prayed the prayer of faith for President Perón, dictator of Argentina. The power of God flowed into the president's body. God did an instantaneous miracle of grace and mercy. Before the eyes of all present, the skin of the president became as clean as a baby's. He was instantly made whole. Stepping back in utter astonishment, he wiped his hand over his face 
and he exclaimed in great astonishment, My God, I am cured. And he was healed. The eczema had all disappeared. The name of Jesus had prevailed. Opening his arms wide in a characteristic gesture, he gave Tommy everything he desired, freedom of press, freedom of radio, freedom to hold a large gathering in gratitude for his healing under the touch of the hand of God. His soul awed in the presence of power and might, the president made the impossible possible. Barred doors were thrown open, and God made a way where there was no way. In a moment, God had done what no man could do. The Atlantic Stadium, with a seating capacity of 25,000 people, was rented. God began to stretch out his hand, even though in the beginning the crowds were small. The news, however, spread very rapidly. God began to heal. Before long, larger crowds were coming out to see and hear this miracle worker, as he was called. Ushers were soon working 12-hour-a-day shifts. Often the bleachers were occupied hours before the services were scheduled to begin because of the many people who had to remain on the outside. Loudspeakers were installed. Inside the stadium, the walkways were filled. Then the crowds pushed down the fence surrounding the playing field and surged across, filling the field as well. They pushed down the doors of the stadium and they shoved their ways in. One night the workmen were unable to assemble the platform because of the pressing size of the crowds. So when Pastor Hicks arrived, escorted by a line of policemen, he went over to a corner of the field. The crowd surged towards him, giving the workmen room to put the platform up. As God began to move, some of the people shouted, others cheered, others wept, others pushed forward to touch the evangelist or to stand in his shadow as he passed. When the evangelist preached a simple sermon, for he was not a great orator, he preached about Jesus, the Savior, the Healer, and the multitudes responded, We want this Jesus as our Savior and our healer. Pastor Hicks turned to the ministers on the platform saying, Do you see this beautiful scene? <coughs> Pardon me. Argentina needs Jesus. Don't your hearts burn? When the prayer of faith was spoken, the evangelist cried, Release your faith. Do what you were unable to do before. And there was movement everywhere. Crutches were abandoned. They were raised up in the air. Some cried, I can see. Others abandoned their wheelchairs. They got out and walked. People observed, amazed, thrilled, hopeful, pensive. 
what does this mean? One night it was announced that the campaign would draw to a close. The multitude stood up and waved their handkerchiefs and shouted for more than 15 minutes, Let it go on! Let Hicks remain! It sounded like the roaring of a restless sea. After hasty deliberation, it was decided to continue the campaign. The mushroom growth continued. People would spend the night in the stadium so as to assure themselves of a better seat for the next service. The cold of early winter had already set in. Because of the overflow, overflow crowds, a much larger stadium was needed. They rented the largest stadium in the country with a seating capacity of 180,000 people. It had never before been filled, either with a sport event or a political rally. It had never been fully utilized. And now the little unknown gospel preacher dared to rent it the angel had said that the wave of God's blessing that he would send would fill the largest places with vast multitudes seeking to hear the gospel about Jesus. Rulers would hear this message. Dictators would hear this message. And now it was literally coming to pass. I'll stop there a moment. When I was just a boy, the Lord gave me a vision. I was maybe 10 years old, maybe nine. And in that vision, I saw people thronging by the thousands, weeping before God, coming from every direction filling the venue where we were holding the meetings until there was no room left and people had to stand outside. Nine or ten years old I saw this. I've carried this in my heart all my life. The Lord told me it would not take place until the latter years of my life. That's now. Would you stand with me by faith? that God is going to do what he has promised he would do. I have since, as a mature adult, been shown the same thing again. I saw and heard people rushing toward the platform of a large venue, and they were seeking Jesus. It was not this cold, frozen, wicked church of our day. But it was the exuberance of crying out after Jesus, having their sins forgiven, being filled with the Spirit, healed of their diseases, restored in righteousness. That's what we're asking Jesus to do again. The story continues. God was moving. His mighty plan was being fulfilled. God was going to bring 
the gospel of Jesus Christ so forcefully to Argentina that it would forever know that his hand was not shortened nor his ear heavy. The gospel was to make a mighty impact upon a nation of 20 million people. Argentina, strong, powerful, wealthy, influential, but at the same time proud, idolatrous, wicked, and pagan. God was going to move it out of its papal orbit that it might revolve around Jesus Christ. Now again, I want to stop for a moment. After this revival began to move, there was a move by God and their economy totally crashed. Again, the fires of revival began to burn. People began to turn to Jesus again. And then it dissipated. And now Argentina is once more being crushed financially. God is not going to let Argentina go. He owns Argentina. And he's going to bring a total bankruptcy to that nation if necessary to cause them to repent of their sin and come and bow humbly before him as their Lord and their God and their Savior, their healer. You think he's going to let America get away with what we're doing? I don't. We need the power of God to sweep over this nation. And it's not going to come by human strategy or human plans. It's going to come at the word of the living God. I'm praying that he comes on this radio in your heart. And that suddenly you begin to ring my phone off the hook and say, Pastor, I was just healed. I was just restored to Jesus. I can't stop weeping. We need the power of God to sweep over this vast nation. Will you pray? Will you pray? Night after night, the healing virtue of Jesus flowed out into the thousands who stood in faith in God. Outstanding healing took place too numerous to recount. The full account is accurately recorded in the heavenly realm. The thought and ordinary routine of the nation began to change as a new day dawned. Through press and radio, the news flashed to all of Argentina. Magazines printed articles with photographs of what God was doing. Daily papers printed notices of meetings and miracles. <laughs> Can you see the Washington Post having to do that? All available copies of the Bible were sold, 55,000 of them. 
The people clamored for a copy, nearly snatching them from the usher's hands. Urgent requests went out by airmail for more copies of Bibles to be sent. Cynicism gave way to hope. Proud Argentinas became as emotional as any Pentecostal, every night shouting, singing, responding to the power of God as Pastor Hicks ministered to them the joy of deliverance. A mighty rush began, a migration similar to the gold rush in the early days of the West. But what people found was much better than gold. They found the fountain of life. Healing waters were flowing. The power of God was moving out into the people using buses and subways and trucks and trams and trains and any other available conveyance. They came from as far away as Bolivia, Chile, Brazil, Uruguay, and the furthest corners of Argentina. They converged to the place where God was meeting man's need. When chauffeurs were asked, where's the campaign being held? There was a stock answer where you see the people, the crowds, get off. You get off, you follow them, and they'll take you to the stadium. For blocks around the crowds all moved in the same direction, making a tremendous traffic snarl. Inside the stadium, where someone tried to light a cigarette, others obliged him to put it out quickly. They said, the word of God is preached here. The president of the football club remarked publicly that he had never seen such an assemblage of persons in all of his life, estimating that there must be at least 180,000 people in the stadium. Wherever men met, there was one topic of conversation. In homes and on the streets, people were commenting on the pros and the cons about the gospel. They were singing hymns and choruses. They were singing on the bus. They were singing on the train. They were singing in the taxis. The city was alive with praise and worship. On a bus, a skeptic tried to convince another that the whole thing was nothing but a hoax. The other man argued that it wasn't. A third entered the conversation, affirming that everything was true, for God had healed his wife of paralysis. The skeptic offered no further arguments. In a factory where comments were being made about the campaign, some tried to make fun. A man got up and obliged them to be silent. In the campaign, his high school daughter had been healed she had one leg shorter than the other and had been healed instantaneously and able to completely discard her, orthopod her orthopedic shoe. The lame were walking, the paralyzed set free, the blind were seeing, stretcher cases healed, ambulances brought invalid patients and returned empty. Life and health flowed like a river, for God had come to Argentina. hotel where Pastor Hicks stayed 
appeared more like a receiving ward in a great hospital. Ambulances brought people at any hour of the day or night. The lobby became crowded with needy people. Workers were recruited to help the ones who came to the hotel. Nightly the crowds increased until the stadium could seat no more. They filled the aisles and the passageways. Still on they came like a great surging tidal wave of humanity. People as a, as a giant waving field of ready-to-be-harvested grain. The stadium was filled to capacity. Not even standing room remained. Still on they came until for blocks around the stadium in every direction a great sea of humanity gathered. The doors had been closed an hour before the service began. Messages reached them through loudspeakers. The wave of healing power reached out to them as well. An English paper of Buenos Aires reported one of the services estimating the crowds at being 200,000 plus. It spoke of the hundreds who waited from early morning for the stadium gates to open. A short time after the service had begun, it was practically impossible to travel either by tram or bus in the direction of the stadium, for everyone appeared to be making his way there. Although a vast crowd filled the stadium, Hundreds more milled around the entrance, swarming up the steps and blocking all gangways. Tommy Hicks, standing alone in the large expanse of green grass, looking around at the thousands of faces, all looking in his direction, preached that Jesus Christ came to reveal God to the world. The multitude said, Hallelujah! Clapped their hands, sang a hymn, raised their arms to God, stood, then bowed their heads in prayer. The silence was incredible. God was visiting Argentina in a sovereign way. He was making a whole nation conscious of his name, his power, and the reality of his gospel. No more could people blindly accept the claims of an oftentimes depraved clergy no more would the vile idols of Catholicism hold complete sway over the minds of men as they had up until then. Rome's power was broken. Her hold over Argentine minds was gone forever. For a time, Catholicism maintained its position as the state religion, but it was in name only. Who can describe rightly these days? Who can measure such happiness and joy? Who can tell of the tremendous relief from pain and misery, fear and sickness? God swept it all away in torrents of divine love. A little child of only three years had been unable to walk without heavy steel braces. Something was wrong in the bone structure of her legs. When the mass prayer was made, the mother, in faith, took off her child's braces. The child started walking, and as he ran up and down, the crowds began to cheer, to weep, and to shout. Faith rose in many hearts, and miracles began to happen spontaneously all over in that crowd. 
A doctor who knew the child's case observed the miracle and then came over to where Pastor Hicks was standing. He knelt, grabbing Pastor Hicks around the knees, and he began to cry out, I want this Jesus. I want to be saved. I can serve a God who will do this for a little child. A 20-year-old youth was brought to the stadium on a stretcher, an invalid from birth who had never walked. Because of the vast crowds and the impossibility of nearing the platform, an usher volunteered to help the stretcher carriers make their way forward. The next night, a woman sought out the same usher, saying, See that young man in the bleachers. The young man saw them looking and waved. It was the same youth who had arrived the night before on the stretcher. But now he was completely healed. A noted publisher was healed of hemorrhoids, deformed and enlarged varicose veins, rheumatism and failing sight. His healing was recorded in an important magazine of the day. One night, policemen brought a demon-possessed woman to the platform, and when the evangelist cried out in a loud voice, Demon, come out! Terror filled those who heard him. The policemen lowered their caps in an attitude of reverence. The demon fled and the woman raised her hands and began to praise God for her liberty. People from all walks of life came to the meeting, the crippled, the blind, the sick and the poor, the rich and not so rich, old people, mothers, fathers, and young people. The sister of the vice president of Bolivia brought her children to be healed. The wife of the vice president of Argentina began holding prayer meetings and Bible studies in her home. One of the wealthiest women in Argentina came to Jesus. The provincial governor was healed. Death fled from hundreds of his prey at the rebuke of him who took captivity captive. Mothers received their babies safe and well. Others leapt from their beds of affliction absolutely whole. Fathers returned to work to bring home bread for loved ones. Home became home again. Salvation real and certain came to many homes. Hearts of thousands were turned from their sins. The rich and the poor, the educated and the uneducated, high and low governors and beggars met God together. In those wonderful days, two months of glory on the earth from mid-April to mid-June in 1954, heaven bent low and kissed the earth. The blood of Jesus washed people completely clean. The whole traditional church people Many of them received for the first time the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But the strength and endurance of Pastor Tommy Hicks was giving out. So the Lord released him to return to the United States. 
scarcely eating or sleeping during those tremendous days, carrying a heavy spiritual burden, he could go no further. Great consternation came to the thousands when he announced his decision to conclude the services. The multitudes that had been healed, saved, and filled with the Holy Spirit only God can number. A newspaperman desired to publish an evangelical paper. Others offered to donate funds that a stadium for evangelistic services might be built. Professional people desired to abandon their careers to dedicate their lives to the ministry, and now the vast throng was left apparently without a shepherd. All ended seemingly quite abruptly. Yet how can we feel qualified to question the wisdom of the plan of God, for this was the end of only another glorious chapter in God's historic invasion of Argentina? Now, is it over yet? No. For since those days, in other places and in other ways, God has done increasingly marvelous things. There are yet many things to fulfill of those things promised by the angel that visited us at City Bell. Ministers lighted their dimly burning torches in the blazing flames of the awakening Hitherto unknown, small evangelists caught the vision of what God could do and spread out over the country, ministering in turn to thousands more. One young man, a backslider called to be a preacher, left his professional sports career to become an outstanding evangelistic pastor. His brother also saw the glory of the Lord. The same flame of God that ignited in his soul and when he launched out in evangelism, the hand of the Lord was upon him. Young would-be ministers and Bible students. Seeing what God to do, what God could do, they'd launched out in healing ministries. New works were open. New buildings were secured to care for the crowds. Extra church services were added. No doubt, the Hicks campaign, with its spectacular overnight growth and post campaign complications was not the way man would have done things. He would have planned it better. But God's ways are not our ways, nor his thoughts ours. We may philosophize and wonder, but God goes right on with the fulfillment of his plans, moving with those who will dare to believe him and follow him, whether, whether ever so I'm sorry, wheresoever he may go, he goeth, for God was not through, and he still is not through with his mighty purposes for Argentina. As I've told you, right now is a very difficult time in Argentina again. And when difficult comes, when difficult times come, that's usually when God begins to move in a nation because people are now ready to hear the gospel message. God did not sovereignly choose Argentina to bring forth such tremendous things for nothing. 
Here in a country seeped in idolatry and paganism, filth and degradation, God brought forth out of the greatest single mass operation of divine grace ever recorded in Christian history. Nearly a decade later, we are still reaping the effects from that outpouring of His Holy Spirit. A great light dawned upon Argentina's consciousness. Overnight, people became gospel-conscious. Great barriers were thrown down. The gospel was of interest to the man in the street, and it was no longer a despised sect of devils. A million chains were broken from the middle, from the minds and the hearts of men. The strong man of Matthew twelve twenty eight to 29 of Argentina was bound. The ruling spirits of this country, overcome by the strength of God, the word of God reached out and out and out, and God fulfilled his promises. Everywhere from north to the great Southland, God was moving. The man of war had stretched out his right hand, in it was the hidden secret of his power. His right hand had done valiantly. It became glorious in power. It dashed in pieces the enemy. It destroyed them. The Lord made bare his holy arm in the eyes of all the nations. The last chapter has not yet been written. It's not yet been enacted. The story is still not ended, nor has it all been told. It can't be written, for as in the book of Acts, it still continues on. A fire was kindled. It continues burning. In the words of Ezekiel 20, 46-48, Son of man, set thy face toward the south, and say to the forest of the south, Behold, I will kindle a fire in thee, and it shall devour every green tree in thee, and every dry tree. The flaming flame shall not be quenched, and all faces from the south shall be burned therein, and all flesh shall see that I, the Lord, have kindled it. It shall not be quenched. The story of the flaming flame, it must yet be written. I love this story. I love this story because this is what we must have today. This is the cry of my heart. This is the story of Argentina. And if God can do this in Argentina, he can do it in America. The pastor who wrote this book is R. Edward Miller. R. Edward Miller. If you remember his name, he's the, he's the pastor that went out to evangelize a small town the gospel never been preached before in this backwoods town. And when he went, he was totally defeated by the enemy. Not one person attended his meeting. 
He finally struck his tent and went home. And when he got home, he said, I'm done. He gave up his missionary activities and spent his time in the prayer closet before an almighty God, praying, reading the scriptures, searching after God until God came. And you remember the story of Mendoza. For the Holy Spirit came on just a tiny, tiny handful of people and the glory of God was revealed. We need that glory of God to be revealed again this time in Washington, D.C. So this year, this Thanksgiving, I am thanking God for the many years I've been able to share with you on the radio the gospel. I'm very grateful for each one of you who has been so kind and generous in giving to this ministry of Pilgrim's Progress. There are some that stand out. A dear doctor, a professor, who has contributed and, and been very kind and supportive. Leslie, who has been so kind and generous with, with her love and letters and support. Richard, Tom, one especially, Peter, Diana, show you the letters, and that's just a few of them. Alberta, Robert, Ralph, every, he sends his tithe every month. Chris, wow. Chris, thank you. I'm so grateful that each of you has walked with me in this journey. Alex, I know I've missed many of you, but you're my heart. I couldn't do this without you. And while I do this, and while I'm faithful before Jesus, and while I'm preaching this word, what I'm really waiting for is Jesus to come. I'm waiting for Jesus to come and, and bring revival to our city. So would you pray with me? 
Could you pray for revival in Washington? I'm not going to quit until he comes. I'm not going to quit praying. I'm not going to quit reading the scriptures. I'm not going to quit preaching. I'm waiting on him. And he will come. He will come. Almighty God, I pray for Washington, D.C. right now. I pray for this nation's capital. I pray that the mighty roaring waves will be stilled by your Holy Spirit. The bitterness and the acrimony between Republicans and Democrats and the wicked agenda of the progressives and the communists who want to destroy this nation. And Lord, I pray for Mr. Trump and his precious wife. I pray, Lord, that you will raise up honest government officials and put your words in their mouth that corruption could be completely removed from our from our government. And I pray for the churches and the pastors that you would put an honest word in our mouths and that you would come in mighty power. I pray in your name. Amen. Well, we are out of time for today. Again, I went to the post office. This week has been a very, very slow week, and I'm surprised it's Thanksgiving. Could I hear from you? Would you send a Thanksgiving offering to help us cover the $1,200? We're still short for this month. If all the pledges come so far, we're still 1200 short. Write to me at the National Prayer Chapel. Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. Also, go to our webpage. You can give online, as many have. Thank you. Go to nationalprayerchapel.com and just click on the Donate button. My dear brothers and sisters, I love you. God bless you with his power and his presence. Thank you, Jesus. I love you. I'll talk to you soon. Mm-hmm.